Alright, Bogotov. So today's daf is Chafei. We take, pick up at the top of Chafei. And we are um, discussing the issue while the Mishnah deals with um, cases of a marriage that has not been fully complete, Eresin or Shemet Yabam, and that those cases the woman can be, go through the Sota process in order to make her uh, Sota, Kino in the Stira, forbidden to her husband, um, but not in order to make her drink the uh, water at the end. Um, and we are going to pick up today, we did raise in the Mishnah important questions about the phenomenon about Bastin representing the husband, and the questions raised about what would have been the motivation for Bastin to do that, and other questions about what type of evidence would have been ne- necessary to make a woman and lose her ketuvah if she wasn't a sota. Um, and interestingly, both of those issues are going to be the central focus of today's stuff. Okay, so let's take a look, and that's really, really start with that exact, essentially, uh, that topic. Um, three lines from the top, a brand new topic. So let's take a look. Ibailu, um, so they raise the following question. Overus um, al a woman who transgresses the, the, the norm, meaning the standard uh, practices of modesty of married women. Now, I want to just, I want to just uh, clarify what this is. This is there's a mission, Ksuvos, about Das Moshe and Das Yehudis. Um, and the issue here is not that she is a sinner. The issue here is, is that her behaviors impact her the marriage. So, for example, basically the mission says that a woman who transgresses Das Moshe, biblical norms, laws, or Das Yehudis, or the practice of Jewish women, um, can be divorced without Ksuva. And the point, though, is, Mar, for example, says, what would be an example of Overus al-Das Moshe? So it says, a woman who, for example, doesn't go to the mikvah, or a woman who feeds her husband non-kosher food. What the Gemara does not say is, a woman who is Mechal Shabbos. Okay, a woman could be Mechal Shabbos, that is between her and God. That is not a basis for the husband to divorce her. I mean, nowadays we might say, like, if you're going to have the TV on and the house in Shabbos, that impacts the nature of the home on Shabbos, right? Or if you're going to cook the food on, on Shabbos, I, mean, I can't eat it. But that, okay, so there would be cases in which it would impact the marriage. But if a woman goes ahead, I mean, Sorry, not just, I mean, whatever. Sorry to point out that it's about the woman here, but that's what it is. Anyway, not like men aren't Mechal Shabbos either. Anyway, but if a woman goes ahead and decides that she's going to go outdoors and, and, uh, and smoke or, you know, or drive somewhere on Shabbos, that is not Das Moshe in terms of a basis for divorce because that's just her sin. It's between her and God. That is not a basis that does not impact the marriage. Okay, so it's a type of a transgression that affects their married life together in a significant way. Similarly, Overus al-Das means a type of a behavior that is seen to uh, compromise the intimacy or the, uh, the quality of their relationship. And specifically, it speaks about a number of behaviors that a woman could do in public, which basically are considered to be immodest, and therefore, it sort of like uh, winds up uh, attracting the attention, uh, the unwanted attention of other men. And the, so whether it is that she is flirtatious with other men, I mean, I'm sort of translating it into a contemporary idiom because the Gemara talks about it, the Mishnah talks about just she like talks to strange men you know with us it's like what like she can't go ahead and say like excuse me could you tell me like you know but okay for our the you know you know could you tell me which way to get to so and so street oh, you talk to strange men um, so you know but that for them maybe the norms were a little different or what would be considered problematic but I think to translate it in a contemporary idiom let's say she's being flirtatious with other men or talks about her you know behaving in a way about um, in public that uh, she's nursing her baby or she She's knitting. 
knitting in public, you know, now it's a dress feeding in public, but anyway, ways in which we're seen as like, not just inappropriate, but something that basically is getting, like, you know, gets the, the unwanted attention, unwanted from the husband's perspective, uh, maybe from her perspective as well, but whatever, of, you know, of other men. So one of them is, of course, going with her hair uncovered, and so on. But these types of things which basically, you know, uh, impact the way in which the the intimacy of the relationship, the uh, the way in which the husband sort of feels that you know doesn't sort of garner his jealousy or bring another man in, practically or in somebody's imagination into the relationship. Um, so those are that's the type of situation. And we'll talk about it more when we get to Xuvos, But that's the type of issues that are considered to be overus al das. Okay, das Moshe. Um, that's the context of the idea of covering the hair and so on. So the Gemara is now going to say so as you could imagine that's not so different from the Sota idea. The Sota idea is something very concrete, right? If she committed adultery, there's no question she's forbidden to her husband. That's not a question about just divorce without a ksuva. Sota is a woman that has suspected of that. But if that actually were true, she would be for completely halakhically forbidden. I mean, even now, the Torah forbids her, uh, you know, the halakha forbids her um, to have sex with her husband on the basis of this suspicion, but it's based on the fact that sleeping with a man makes her forbidden to her husband. But even without that reality, right, if you think, you know, you know, if she went into private with a man and uh, she wasn't warned by her husband, or she was doing these things that are sort of in the same penumbra of this whole experience, but it's not making her a sota, because she didn't actually seek a man or, didn't, or there wasn't that suspicion yet. Um, nevertheless, it's certainly in this category of overus aldas, right? I mean, it's the types of things that garner the husband's, you know, that evoke the husband's jealousy and so on. So the question is, without making her forbidden to her husband, is it a basis of divorce? You know, it would be a basis of divorce without a ksuva. That's overus aldas. Charlie, what did you want to say? You had a question? Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. So that was just to explain those two words. Ibrahim, or Veris Abdas, a woman who now crosses that line. So when we say that the husband can now divorce her, okay, interesting question, we'll get to is must he divorce her? Okay, but now let's just leave it as can. He can divorce her now without her ksuva because her behavior was inappropriate in terms of their relationship. Okay, does, does she require warning? Does he need to say to her, he or the basin, let's say he, need to say to her, if, I, if you do that again, I'm going to divorce you without a ksuva. Okay, or, you know, because maybe like, maybe she wasn't even aware she wasn't supposed to do that or maybe she was aware but she didn't realize it was a big deal or she didn't pay attention to the consequences so would we say that she, she needs warning or not for her to lose her ksuva let's read how the Gemara phrases the question do we say look bottom line she acted in an appropriate way it compromised their relationship okay so uh, she didn't so she, yeah, she doesn't need warning or do we say she should why because maybe if she's warned maybe she'll change her practices which is interesting which sort of frames it as it's not like right now there's not a good enough basis but it's sort of like um, you know um, is she, does she deserve it like we didn't say well she was showgig she doesn't deserve it it's not a, no in terms of the practices she did right now this would be appropriate but maybe you know from a you know maybe we have a bigger picture type of an approach we don't want to you know we, don't, we, we, we want to encourage we, we don't want, you, you know, we don't want marriages to get break up so quickly. We want to, uh, we recognize that things often are have can be repaired, and not every mistake has to automatically lead to the most dire of consequences. If we say divorce without a ksuva, we are.
are A, making it easier for the husband to divorce her, just practically, he won't have to pay, and B, we're communicating something about our, about, you know, about, we're essentially, the people, the rabbis are making this rule, are communicating that they think that she deserves to be divorced, right? So, is that necessarily the healthiest thing, right? Maybe the healthiest thing is, no, that, like, let's try to repair the situation first. So again, it's a difference between whether in some objective way this would be appropriate and being deserved, uh, you know, and he'd be justified in some way to divorce Rebbe Ksuva, but okay, but nevertheless, it's not necessarily the best thing from a big picture societal perspective. Zob had a question for us. Explaining this as a criminal matter in which Hasra is Correct. Correct. It's not the warning, it's not like you can't get punished without warning type of a thing. It's not a punishment, right? It's also another thing. It's more like it's fault divorce. Okay? So he, if he was to fault, she did something to hurt the marriage, and she was at fault, right? So then the husband is, is free from the obligation to pay the ksuva, because she's the reason why they're getting divorced. So that's sort of how it's, it's the type of thing. You're right, it's not like a punishment of basis. So that's why the Gemara didn't say, like, the hasrat make her amazing as opposed to a shogay. It said, because of these other concerns, of like, maybe we don't want to rush to a divorce. <laughs> yeah. the way you framed it. Uh, I, I was still asking, there's still some cases where we say this, you're losing it, right? Like, for instance, let's say two witnesses said, we actually saw her right. commit adultery. We would right. say, oh, well, you know, maybe they can work it out because it's the strength of the marriage. Right. Better to try to see what you can do. So, because this isn't up. adultery. This is something that's more repairable. A, besides the fact that, besides the, besides, okay, but besides the fact that there, there's just a halacha. The halacha is that she's forbidden to her husband. We can't do anything about that halacha. Okay? So, here, there isn't that halacha. So, there's more to work with. Okay? But if you ask me also big picture, you could say some things we don't think are repairable, other things we are. Now, nowadays, I think we do think that some of those situations are repairable. Right. Okay. And that becomes an interesting issue because, like, some people have been asking me about this, what happens if a woman admits to committing adultery and so on, is there, you know, but they don't want to get divorced, the husband wants to work it through, so there are ways of dealing with that. Okay? But anyway, from the Gemara's perspective, that's not an option. Okay? At least here, it's not sort of seeing that as an option. Again, in halacha, there's where you sort of navigate that because you technically don't believe her, so unless there's real evidence to it and so on. Okay? But, uh, but so A, yeah, even if we did want to repair it, there's the halachic okay. status that can't be dealt with. And B, you know, there are some cases that maybe are not, are not repairable. Yeah. Is there an element of subjectivity in this category? Because the husband could be, you know, how do you measure his reaction? Right. Right. But clearly, if, if, he, if, if he's going to sue for her ksuva, you know, he's going to have to bring evidence in court why he's, why he's, he's not obligated to pay. So it's not just his say-so. If he wants to get out of paying the ksuva, he's going to have to bring evidence that she was Overus Aldas. Okay? You're asking if I understand, like, I could decide I don't want my wife crocheting keypots in the show. Right. And you could decide it's no big deal that she's crocheting. No, no, the Mishnah list has a list. Yeah, well, the Mishnah has a list of objective Now, whether those change in different societies, like the Baratine Koladam or whatever, you know, that might be, but whatever. But yes, it, it, uh, it's not, I mean, it gets to some of this question. Is it all Bakhpada Dibal, Talia Milsa? Right. So he wants to get out of paying her too, but I do care. I so we'll get to that. But bottom line is, is that more what our Gemara is going to look at today is even if she was a Varsal Das, can he sort of decide he's not Makhbid? But his ability to say he's Makhbid on something that we haven't identified as an objective standard obviously would like not be fair because then he could just arbitrarily make her lose the Ksuva. She's entitled to the Ksuva, so there has to be an objective standard on the basis of which that, 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 she, that she would have to, that she could lose that. I do want to say something about the Shogeg issue and again about like that it doesn't say 
say, oh, well, if she was shogeg, maybe it shouldn't be so bad. Because at the end of the day, you could say, okay, who cares whether she knew or didn't know, it sort of, it compromised the relationship. Now, nevertheless, you could say, no, you know, it compromises the relationship in a different way if you know you're not supposed to do certain behavior and you do it. Like, you know, if you don't know, like, oh, what was so wrong? I was just whatever. But if one, oh, well, no, actually, you know, our standards are you don't do those types of things and whatever. So, the, you know, the sense about how much is the relationship compromised does sometimes impact whether the person is knowingly or unknowingly engaging in this type of behavior. It is interesting, it's something interestingly I haven't mentioned since the beginning of the Masechet, but it is interesting to ask about a question of um, what happens in a case of Sota if she is a Shogeg. Now, what would be a case of a Shogeg if she is a Sota? Well, let's say, I don't know, nobody ever told her that it was usher to sleep with another man. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, so, okay, so you could say, Karav Lamezid, everybody should know that, be aware of that. So that's like an easier case to deal with, okay? But there's an interesting shuva, I'm trying to remember who wrote it, about a woman who basically, um, uh, her husband was away, and a man came to, like, you know, was passing through town, some charlatan, and he basically said that he was a Leo Anavi, and he persuaded this woman to sleep with him, and she told her that if she would sleep with him, then, they would, then, then, then that would produce the Mashiach. And uh, so she believed him, and she believed she had it, she was supposed to sleep with him, and she had to sleep with him, and whatever, and she did so. Um, and then the question was, was, is she forbidden to her husband? Okay, that's not actual, that's not just Sota, that's one who actually yeah. slept with another man. And I forget, I have to remember who, who wrote this chuva, but it, it's not recent, it's, you know, it's gone back a few hundred years. Anyway, the postdoc basically said that the postdoc doesn't focus on the, on the intentionality of the sin. It says, that there was a sense that that actually was a wrong done to the husband, right, and a, a hurt to the relationship, and that's regardless of whether the action was done in innocence or not in innocence to what the reality of that was in terms of her relationship to her husband. So, you know, that's interesting. So I, I think that's an interesting parallel. Like here the Gemara does not say that, oh, well, if she wasn't, maybe you need Hatra because otherwise it didn't impact the relationship in the same way. Like, uh, now again, I think there's a big difference between sleeping with somebody without, you know, without realizing how wrong it is as opposed to, I don't know, having some conversation or knitting in the marketplace. But nevertheless, it's interesting that the Gemara doesn't frame it as like it was not amazing and that's the issue. It frames it as like, okay, but there's bigger picture. Maybe we want to help repair the marriage. Yes. No, now she's raped. But that's because that's completely not, that's, again, that's not seen, you know, there was like volitional, but not with the intention of doing anything wrong, but it was volitional, and that's seen as a different sort of, yeah, but... Yeah, so, right, 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 if she, right, right, if it's like not intentional, right, if she's not of right mind, or she's not willing, it's a different story, right, there was like sort of willing, but it's not, we're like, like feeling that, you know, believing it was permissible. Well, right. in that situation, there's also a wrong done to the husband, in a sense, right, like if, 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 if someone's wife is... Right, right, but she's not the one that did the wrong to him. It's not, you know, here it's like she wronged him. Whatever, however much she felt she should have been doing it, she still, you know, consciously, whatever, she wronged him. Yes? Does Dr. Hadith mean um, norms regarding women or norms established by women? It seems like it means established by women. You know, Shinohu Israel is clear, I think, right. Rashi says, and so on. Okay, so that's the question. So now we've gotten through four lines of Gemara. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, so it's so, so interesting. Anyway, okay. Odio Mati Bai no, she needs warning because maybe we want to help repair the situation first. We don't want to run to divorce without a ksuva. So Tashma, come here. 
Arusa Mishomer Yabam lo shota salonot los ksuva. And Arusa Mishomer Yabam don't drink and don't get the ksuva. They, um, because... They can't be made to drink because it's not a full marriage. On the other hand, they're divorced without a ksuva. So they don't drink. But the first stage of the process, you do. That's why they don't get a ksuva. He does kinoi and makes her a sota. And therefore, he winds up divorcing her without a ksuva. Um, so why is he making her a sota? Right? Why, you know, why, why, what's the purpose of doing this kinoi and making her a sota? It must be to make her lose the ksuva. So why do you need to go through, hey guy, hey buddy, if you want, if your whole point is, you're not going to be able to make your wife drink the water. She's only in Arusa. If you want to make her lose the ksuva, so why do you need to go through this process? Just bring witnesses that she's going in private with other men, that she's going in seclusion with other men. She does, you don't need your warning. You don't need any of that. The going in seclusion is clearly enough of an overus aldas, okay? So the fact that that wasn't enough, the fact of her going into seclusion, that he needed to do the kinoi, shows that if she's going to lose her ksuva, there needs to be some warning, okay? Now it's interesting. It might not actually be the warning that turns her into a sota, but the Gemara is sort of saying, regardless, it's not enough that she went into seclusion, okay? So... Yeah, kinoi winds up becoming a form of hatra, okay? So it says, ah, so look, you see, the going in seclusion is not enough. Clearly, the only reason he would make, do kinoi would be to make her lose the ksuva. So the Gemara says, no. Amar Bayi, love. No! There's other things that are accomplished. Maybe if she just went into seclusion, she'd lose the ksuva. But he's doing the kinoi because he wants to make her into a sota. He wants to make her forbidden, forbidden on him. Now, why does he want to make him forbidden on him? Like, you know, because, well, maybe he feels like, you know, he's so angry. Like it says, if you don't want to have sex with her, don't have sex with her. But I don't know. He's so angry at her, whatever. He wants to just impose this status on her. You know, put the big red letter S on her or stomach or whatever, you know. Make her into a sota. It's not just about the ksuva. That she would lose anyway. But he wants to give, make her forbidden on him. Okay. No, no, no. Actually, there would be an opportunity that he could actually make her drink the water. He warns her when she's in Arusa for the situation that now if she were to go into private after Nisuin, he would still, on the basis of that early warning, be able to make her drink. So he can't make her drink as an Arusa, but if he went into seclusion afterwards, he could make her drink. He could do the Kinui and then they can have Nisuin. Yes, but, but it can't be Kinui, Stira, and Nisuin because then he would have had sex with her after she had been a Sota. Then it wouldn't be even Ikaha Ishmael. But it could be Kinoi, Nisuin, Stira, and that could be a Sota. Yep. So why is he going through with the Nisuin after the Kinoi? Yeah. Well, no. So I, I'm just keeping my bases covered. Right? <laughs> right now we can get married. She's been warned, so it'll all be good. Okay, anyway, so that's why he's doing it. Lashkosa Kishi Nisua, Kitanya. Ain Makani La Rusa Lashkosa Kishi Arusa. He can't do the make her drink while she's on Arusa. He could do it so if she goes in private when she's in a sewer, then she could become a sota on the basis of that. So you can't prove anything from that. She could have lost her ksuva just by going seclusion. The purpose of the kinoi was something else. I'm a rubble. Let's try again. Toshma. All these cases in the Mishnah where a woman is forbidden on her, where the marriage is forbidden, but still binding. Okay? All these cases of the Isurei Lavim, where, the, where it's again a biblical prohibition, but the marriage is binding. They don't drink and they don't get their ksuva. Now, so they're not get, so again, they're not, they're not being forced to drink. But the point still is, is that he's going, he can go through this process of now, again, the question is, Ulamai, what's the purpose? Ila Ostrana love, 
Now, you can't give the answer, oh, well, he's wanting her to make her a sota to make her forbidden. No, Haishun Bekaimin, he's already forbidden to, there's already a law for them to continue to have sex because she's a Grusha or whatever the case might be, and he's a Kohen. So that answer doesn't work. El Alav, Rav Sidon Ksuvasan. So why it must be that the purpose of doing quinoa is to make him lose the ksuva, and it's not enough that she just went into seclusion, okay? And you can't give the other answer. Both of the previous answers, it's, it's a brilliant point. Both of the previous answers are not relevant. The Ostra love isn't relevant; she's already forbidden, and Rashkosa Kashin Yisua isn't relevant because it's already Nisuin. Now they're already Nisuin, right? It's just that it's an Isser Grusha to a Kohen. So what would be the purpose of quinoa if not to make her lose her ksuva? There's nothing else gained and by so we're it. Trying to prove that they're in a situation where she, where she, she went into seclusion. Exactly. Because it wasn't enough that she went into seclusion. So, so, exactly. So, you, that's the point. All these cases, why do you need quinoa? She went into seclusion with a strange man. That should suffice to make her lose her ksufa. Okay. So, Yehuda Midiskrita, no, the Osra Leboel Kabal, no, and this makes more sense than the Osra love. He wants to make her into a sota so that if and when they get divorced, or he dies, she remains forbidden on the guy that she, he, she suspected of committing adultery with. Okay? Because a sota, a woman who actually sleeps with another man, is forbidden on her husband and forbidden to continue to have sex with the man she slept with. And similarly, a woman who is uh, a sota, in that state of being suspected, is forbidden to have sex with her husband. And even then, if the husband died, if she remained, remained or divorced, if she remained a sota, right, she is then forbidden to have, to have, to have sex with that guy. Actually, it's an interesting question. Let's say he makes her a sota, does not get around to bringing her to the base of Mikdash, divorces her. She never has an opportunity to prove her innocence, right? Because she never brought her to the base of Mikdash. She can't do it now that they're divorced and she remains forbidden on this other guy that she was suspected of. So like, I don't know, right? Imagine that she actually was, I don't know, was, you know, uh, was, had some flirtation with this guy but didn't sleep with him. And now she's divorced. She actually wants to marry this other guy. Now she's forbidden because the husband made her a sota and she doesn't have the opportunity. So, you know, it's pretty interesting that he has this power to make her forbidden on this man even if she didn't actually but sleep with him. the whole thing and then yeah. she came out clean and she can be with him. Right? Yeah, so right, clearly. There was nothing wrong. Uh, exactly. So that only kicks in if if he makes her a sota. Right. Not if he divorces her a lot of Correct. 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 So that's what it's saying. Right. If he just had suspicions and was oversal dots and he divorced her, she could go marry this other man. But he's saying to himself, I'm going to divorce her and make sure that she doesn't have, wind up marrying this guy. Like I know that she's been flirting with her, boy, with, with her high school boyfriend and whether she's having sex with him or not, I'm going to ensure she's never going to marry him. So I'm going to do this thing and warn her and therefore I'll divorce her and she won't be able to. So right, I could have divorced her without her excuse anyway, but now I'm making this guy off limits. Yeah. Doesn't the get have to free her absolutely? Um, she is totally freed from me. She's just not. You're saying she's not like muteret l'chol adam. Yeah, but not based on not based on a connection to the husband. Yes. There's something really interesting from like like in the jurisprudence here. Usually, you need warning that's connected to a certain outcome. Yeah. Here, the outcome is the same outcome, but what determines Hatra or not is his motivation or his mindset. What are you talking right? about? No, no. It's just a question about what... No, 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 no. In order to execute, for example, I need Hatra. In order to do this, I need Hatra. But here, it's yeah. dependent upon his... Is that no, we're just trying to figure out what motivated him. The point is, and bring it as evidence. We're trying to say, it must be that you need Hatra, because or else, why would he have bothered to do Hatra? And the answer is no. You don't need Hatra for to lose her 
ksuva, why is he bothering to do hasra? For a different outcome, for the outcome of, uh, of to make her forbidden on the husband. But at the end of the day, his motiva- uh, I'm the guy, but, the, uh, but his motivation doesn't matter. You say, what, if you want to frame it another way, don't say, why is he doing it? Say, what is achieved by the hatra? What does hatra accomplish? It doesn't necessarily accomplish her losing her ksuva, that was already achieved. What it accomplishes is, it makes her forbidden on the, it makes her forbidden on the other guy. Okay, so that's what it accomplishes. That's why the kinoi plays a role here, and the kinoi is not necessary for making her lose her ksuva. So we still haven't proven whether you need hatra to make her lose her ksuva. And here, the Now we're going to move on to the basin. Her husband became a uh, deaf mute, or he became like uh, insane, mentally ill. Um, or he's in prison. Um, and now the Mishnah spells out why is based in doing this. It is not, they're not doing it to, um, for, for, to enable him to make her drink. Um, Ella, but for the purpose, to make her lose her ksuva. It didn't say they're doing it to make her usher to the husband. Right? That could have said that. Right? It didn't, you know, it said they're doing it for the purpose of making her lose her ksuva. So that's pretty clear. It sounds like there would be no other way she could lose her ktuva other than this. So shmamina by hasra shmamina. So the question is, why did they have to do that? If all, if, if all they're trying to do is make her lose her ksuva, just get witnesses that uh, that she's in seclusion with another man. So you see, that would have not been enough to make her lose her ksuva. So again, we were speculating yesterday. Well, maybe the basin is trying to uh, grease. What, what do they skid? What's the face? Skid grease the skids. Maybe they were trying to grease the skids to try to get them to divorce by making her usher to him, and by making her usher to him, it's just ensuring that they'll get divorced. But the Gemara says, but you can't speculate about that, or you can't say that's the reason, because it specifically says they're doing it for the sake of making her lose her ksufa. So it's identifying that that is what's, ac- what's accomplished by them doing this, which makes it sound like otherwise she wouldn't lose her ksufa. So it says, why not? Isn't there evidence? You just get evidence that she went into, pro- into seclusion. So you see that a woman who's over Saldas, it's not sufficient. There needs to actually be a form of warning. Now again, that warning doesn't have to be the type of a warning that makes her a sota, right? Because if you say, I don't want to see you talking to strange men, she doesn't become a sota, that's also an over Saldas. Okay, but, it, but whatever the over Saldas is, it needs a warning in order for her to lose her ksuva. Yes? Right. I'm sorry, so what are you saying? Because this is a difference the, the, in the other situation there's a husband there who could be right. and without warning tell her so, that that, uh, so that's gonna be the next sign of the Gemara. Excellent. So that's the next sign of the Gemara. Let's take a look. So the Gemara says like this. It says the kulu my time So why 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 don't we just start with this? This was such a good proof. It explicitly says lafsida ksuvasa, which makes it clear that there was no other way for her to lose her ksuva. Of course, the nice thing is this allowed us a build up. <laughs> anyway, fine, doesn't matter. It gives the gemara an opportunity. It, fine, it, it gives the gemara an opportunity to make Jenna's point. So it says no. Dilma shani hasam the lesla insa the baal klal. 
No, because in, we might, you could say there she doesn't lose her ksuva without warning because she's not he, she, her husband isn't around. So naturally, her behavior will be a little bit more loose. She'll take less care of her behavior and so on. And therefore, she cannot... It's an interesting... Which way would you have argued that? But it's saying you could argue that therefore doing this behavior is not as bad because it's not so much in defiance of her husband because her husband isn't around. So therefore, in this case, to make the behavior worse, she needs the warning. But in cases where her husband is around and she normally would be more constrained and she, ne- and she still does this, then that's so bad that even without warning. So you so could have made that the same. We don't. we don't say that. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So now the commercial is like this. Um, okay. So that was question number one. Does she need warning for a vessel? The answer is yes. What's really fascinating is, right, we're going to learn in Ksuvos, a whole parak that focuses on, or a section of a parak that focuses on a vessel. And this basic question which is what? How do you prove what? What type of evidence or warning or whatever isn't in suit? It's here, okay? So this is really like a necessary. I mean, we know why we're discussing it here, but it's almost like a necessary clarification of a sugya in suva. Okay, Ibailu. They raise the following question: This is almost a more important question, which also shockingly isn't in suvos. So this woman is acting in this way, behaving which is seen to be as inappropriate and violating norms of modesty and so on is the husband if he says it's okay with me or it's not okay with me but I'm not interested in divorcing her on the basis of this okay is he allowed to, is he allowed to do this or do we say this is an unhealthy marriage like you know either we're concerned for your marriage or concerned for the general marriages in society and we do not want to allow this type of a marriage to remain as an as an as a you know as seen as acceptable and we are going to demand that that that, that you guys get divorced okay so that's the question um do we say it's interesting phrase because it's like echoing a Sota case but this is not exactly Sota do we say it's about the husband's like sort of being Kfeda what's a good English word for Kfeda um, um, not concerned but his uh, like what, what bothers him anxiety. no not anxiety how do they translate that Kfeda his, the fact it's the thing that he's mocked on that he's like insistent on what he just used the word objection objection okay I don't, it's a little more than objection it's like deep down it bothers me like it I, I finds it objectionable okay that's maybe a little bit better okay anyway but it's about the husband not not wanting it um, you know and being upset about it um, the hollow copy he's not upset about it so bottom line is this just this just entitles him to divorce her without a ksuva because because she has wronged him and it's a false divorce so it allows him to do so because it's, if, if it bothers him okay if it impacts the marriage but if it doesn't bother him or whatever, he's not forced to end the marriage. Oh, the Omak even to copy copied. Or do we say, that's a funny phrase, yeah. since it bothers him, it bothers him. You just said it didn't bother him. So what Rashi says is no, that since it should bother him, yeah. it matters. Okay, which yeah. which basically, yeah. okay, yeah. which again, you could read that in two ways. You could read that that he might say it doesn't bother him, but like deep down, we know that it does, and we're going to say that it's unhealthy for this marriage to continue, right? Or do we say, or another way of saying it is again, like no actually this is unhealthy because for society because we don't want to be sending a message that these types of these types of behaviors are acceptable okay so 
something that we deem objectionable to anybody, even if we don't. Exactly. It's an objectionable behavior, and therefore, whether it's objectionable to them or not, we need to object to it. Again, it's so fascinating, right? Because obviously, for us, some of this is so bizarre. Like, it's, it's very, you know, it's very, I don't know what the right phrase is, paternalistic or controlling, like, that the court system would decide whether couples should remain married or not remain married. But, you know, hello. I mean, they're going to decide if a woman's a sota, if a woman, you know, whatever. Halacha does determine, like, whether this marriage, you know, can continue or not, and Basin gets involved in it and so on. So here, even though there's not a halachic reason that she's objectively forbidden, or that the marriage is objectively forbidden, like a Kohen and a Grusha, Basin sees that their role is to, you know, you know, is to uh, play this type of a role in society. get involved in who get married uh, okay, that's a little bit of a different point, but I, I but I take your point. Yes. Well, in, yeah. Well, in secular law, at least in the United States, the idea that a couple can simply agree to get divorced is really something in the last two generations. Yes, that we might, that's the opposite, that we might it, need, it is the opposite, that there's right. a, oh, that we require, that do we have an idea of no fault divorce, or do we have such an investment in sort of marriage and so on that we don't allow it to be easily dissolved, mm-hmm. right? So that's the idea of fault or no fault divorce, yeah. which is true. It's like we're making a judgment of what's healthy for society and therefore we're making it easier or harder for them to get out of it. But this is going, we're making a judgment what's better for society and therefore we're going to force them to get out of it. So it's a little bit, but you're right. I mean, ultimately, you know, uh, we make, some of these r- rules, you know, are for the betterment of society. Anyway, that's the question. Are we asking, because deep down we think it's in his best interest and he's just not being honest with himself? Or is it more of a broader societal point? Yes. Isn't him psychologically lacking almost in a similar way to the deaf mute? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, like the base in taking the role of the deaf mute. Here he's like, yeah, we're going to have to step in for you because you're, uh, you know, you're not being able to be objective here. You don't realize how, you know, you don't realize how much your marriage is being destroyed right now or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Tom is making any kind of statement about like when we say someone's like mockpeed or not mockpeed in general. It's like it's a religious value. Now there's a casting aspersions on the possibility that someone need not be mockpeed about the. I, I don't think we can generalize. I mean, in this context. Yeah, in this context. I mean, the Gemara and Kshuvah discusses that about what. I mean, in a way, we sort of saw it before also about whether it's it's a mitzvah kanos or a shus lakanos. Like what, you know, you could ask the same thing about parenting, right? What's the right balance between being strict and being tolerant and at what stage you know yeah so that's the question that it's asking okay um, maybe parenting isn't uh, what where I mean tomorrow also assumes not societal norms but personal norms Example, right, exactly. Okay, so it says Tashma. So that's what we want to know. If he's okay with it, are we okay with it? The Elusha Basin Makan in Lahan, Basin steps in. So there he goes, whoever made that point. David, So Basin is going to step in. If the husband can choose to be okay with it. So, why will the basin step in? The husband might get better or he might get freed from prison and then uh, they'll have worked against his interests. So how can they necessarily step in and act on behalf of his interests if this might not be his interest? He might not want this. So the Gemara says, no. No, we could say, the norm would be, since he violated these norms, he may it is in his interest. So, just because we're saying that, there are t- that he could choose to be okay with it, we could still act on his behalf based on what is the norm. So that doesn't prove one way or the other. 
Okay, so we don't know the answer to that, whether Rutzer Lakaima Makaima or not, but based on the ongoing discussion, we're going to implicitly answer that question. At this stage, we don't yet know the answer. Now we have the following question. Okay, now, here, this is a question that actually is not about Overis Aldas, or could be, but it's more, di- more, more immediately about the question of a Sota. The husband is Makana, his wife, okay, and then he says, you know what, forget about that Kinoy, I don't want to get you in trouble, I understand, whatever, sometimes your business, you have to go into, you have to go into his private office, whatever, For, forget, for a hotel room, whatever, okay, whatever, anyway, I mochel on the Kinoy, and then she goes ahead and she goes in private. Can he remove the Kinoy? Or once he made it, she becomes a Sota. Just to make it a little bit more challenging, can he remove the Kinoy after she went in private? Okay, so she became a Sota and says, you know what, I retroactively retract my Kinoy. Okay, so can he do it? Okay, but first let's deal with the easier case, even before she goes in private. What's the story? Now we understand the phrase Talarachmana, because now we're dealing with the Sota category, not with the Overes Aldas category. Ultimately, it's because he was jealous, he was upset, he objected, and when he stops objecting, the whole thing falls off. Okay. No, he warned her he can't retract it. Now, it doesn't exactly explain what the other side is. The other side could just be, it's a formal rule. It might have started to be about your objection, but once you've created facts on the ground, you're not empowered to retract. But more interestingly, we could go back to points we made at the beginning of the Masechet, which is how much is it sort of following the biblical model of the Kinet Ishto, and it's all an outgrowth of his jealousy and hakpada and objection, etc., or how much is it based on how the Gemara has made it a legal issue, brought in witnesses and a court and raglayim ladavar, and there's actually objective ground for suspicion. So we could say, it's very nice that you have, it has stopped bothering you, but the fact that you warned her shows that there was something there that was upsetting you. And the fact that she went ahead and went in private, once again, that creates a raglayim ladavar, and it doesn't matter if it's no longer bothering you, you know, we're taking over from here. These are objective right. realities of relying Ladava. So that's, I would say, maybe the other way of thinking about it, right? How much is it about him and how much is it about just creating Raglayim Ladava, right? An interesting question is, you know, what happens if, for example, let's take another case, a woman is raped um, or somebody is, I don't know, assaulted and they refuse to press charges. So, technically speaking, who cares that they refuse to press charges? It was a crime against, you know, it, it was a crime in, of the state, right? Whether it's not this person gets to decide, it's not, a, it's not just you know, because it's, it's about him, right? It's, I mean, it, yes, a, a violence was done to this person, but whether the person itself wants to be mochel or not, the state could decide to go, to, to go ahead and press charges regardless. Right? You wear that? That's yes? Right. Okay, it's just that it's very hard, because if the person isn't showing up at court and testifying or whatever, okay? So you could say, it doesn't matter, you know, it's not about your hakpada, right? It's a crime against society, right? So that's, what? Right, exactly. So that's, that's, anyway, it's a fascinating question about whether he can choose, you know, to be Mokho or not. How much is it about the Raglayim Ladava and the objective reality? And how much is it about his, his, you know, what was done to him and his objection and so on? Tashma, this is such a great thought. The Eilish Abbasin Makan and Lahan. Misha Nit Haresh Bala, Oni Sato, Shayachavish Vesa Surin. 
Okay, fine. So Basin's going to step in and do it for him. But if the husband can retract his own kinoi, this thing that Basin did is considered to be his kinoi. They're seen as operating on his behalf. Okay, so now they did it for him. So therefore what? So Azinan meeting the Asi Bao Machile? Well, how would we do something that the husband could retract? Why not? Actually, that's great. We'll do it. If he doesn't like it, he can retract it. But the, Gemara, but the Gemara's concern is that will undermine the authority of Basin. We'll have done it and he'll negate what we did. So the Gemara says, we're not concerned about that. Normally, it's funny, we're doing it because we assume it's what he wants. And then he'll go along with it because he'll generally go along with what no, we do. So, you, the presumption will be that nine times out of ten, a person won't want to. But that's not what the Gemara said. Uh, not, the Gemara could have said, Stama de Milsa, a husband uh, is mocked and he won't be Mochel. But it says, Stama de Milsa, he'll go along with it because he'll follow our lead. That's what it's saying. He'll follow. So it's like a little bit circular, right? We're empowered to do it because we assume that a normal husband would want to be Mochel. And once we, I mean, would want to be Mochel, would want to be Mechel. And once we step in, then even if he was in that middle camp, he'll most likely follow our lead anyway, so we don't have to worry. He'll agree. It's not like he'll accept it, even though grudgingly. I understand. I didn't say grudgingly. Following the lead. That's what Moskin is. We led the way and he followed. Okay? Okay. It doesn't say. So anyway, so it is interesting. I mean, that is how things work, right? It is true that that's the norm, but even if he was ambivalent, once we stepped in, that'll help push him into that norm. Okay? So anyway, so we don't know the answer. We don't know the answer if uh, if he can be mochel on the kinoi, and we don't know the answer if what was the other question about? Oh, if he can choose to uh, for to just keep on living with her regardless. Um, it, was that the other question? Uh, wait, where are we? We need right. Um, Okay, right. So now it sounds like this. Uh, where are we? Um, Tashma, come in here. Um, so when they, um, remember when he's bringing you to Basin, you give their t- the two uh, scholars to accompany them so that uh, they won't have sex. But if he could reverse his kinoi, and now we're assuming even after she became a sota, so why are we so uh, concerned that they might, uh, you know, have the, uh, you know, have the Yitzhar get the better of them and they decide to have sex. They have a way that they can actually do it better. So go ahead. Remove your kinoi, have sex, save us from the whole problem of the whole proceedings. Yishkoyach. So why are we so concerned to protect against that? Actually, there's a heter way of doing it. So the says, yeah, actually, maybe that's why we're sending them with the Torah scholars. Why are we Dafka sending them scholars? To Gemiri. Because they know the halacha. The Bailamirvo, then they can realize that if it looks like he's, they're interested in having sex, they'll tell him how to do it in a heter way. So they'll tell him, fine, just remove your kinoi. So it's not that we're trying to prevent it at all costs. We're actually trying to make sure that whatever decision they make is the right decision. Okay, so we still don't know if he can revoke his kinoi. Tashma, come in here. I thought we have just proved. No, how do we prove? Why? Because the Tamidi Chachamim can say you can... You can that, there, so there's two ways of explaining it. Either they go with him to ensure that he doesn't have sex or they don't have sex under any circumstances or um, even if he revokes his kinoi they tell him that he's not allowed to or they go with him to instruct him how he can 
again by removing his kinoi. Tashma, the Arab Yoshaya. Shloshet Varim, three things. Sachli Zi'ira, Mi'anchi Yushalayim. Zi'ira of the people of Yushalayim whispered to be three things. Number one, Baal Shemachal, Kinoi of Kinoi of Machal. There you go. The husband can revoke his kinoi. Okay, and then we're going to discuss in a minute even after she becomes a Sota. Number two, Vizaki Mamre, Shavatsu Basin, Limcholo, Mochimlo. If the Basin wants to forego Vizaki Mamre, the person who acts in defiance of the court and Paskin's opposite of the court, they can forego. Now, this is really such a great comparison because defying, right, the, the, the authority of the court is not just the covet of the personal covet of the court that they could be mochel. It's about the, you know, it's about the authority of the institution. The institution's authority is being undermined by that there's this defiant person poskening in opposition and nobody is doing anything about it. So, right, so, you know, so there you have to, since when is it the personal decision of the court, right? That's an institution that has to be protected. So you could ask the same thing about the marriage. Since when is it the personal decision of the husband? The institution of marriage has to be perspective. And obviously there's a big difference. One is a court for all of society. One is their own personal marriage, even though other people might look at their marriage and learn from it. Right? So this is the question. How much is it about the particular people involved? How much is it about the institution? So he's saying in all these cases you could be mochel. Mochel on the kinoi, mochel on the zakin mamre, and ben And ben they could be mochel. How much is it about they personally have been rebelled against and how much is it about undermining the institution of you know parenthood of the authority of parents right so he's saying all of those things if the personal people involved are mochel we don't step in to protect the institution so the Gemara says um, when I came to my colleagues in the south they agreed with me the two the parent and marriage which are more private institutions you know again everybody in society might engage in it but it's each, in, each instantiation is private there's not one for all of society but not for Zakin Mamre that therefore you know you should not allow there to be you know there's got to be one final authority one supreme court and that has to be protected for all of society. There's one court for all society it's not their personal hakpanda. Such a great question. How much is it protecting the institution and how much is it about the people involved? Now the interesting thing is that in the Torah the Ramban points us out that four places right there in partials like Shoftim, Kitete, etc. or no, it's um, uh, 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 Re'eh and Shoftim. Anyway, four places um, the, the Torah says Vahanisharin Yishma'u which means that the punishment is not so much because of the gravity of the crime, but it's in order for protecting the institution in society and that everybody else learn a lesson. And you know what those four places are? Zakin Mamre, uh, um, uh, uh, Ben Soromore, which is the whole question, what did the Ben Soromore do that's so bad? Ramban's answer is, he didn't do anything that was so bad, but he's threatening the institution of the authority of pa- uh, parents, and that has to be protected in society. Aidim Zomanin, that are undermining the you know, court system, right? You know, and they're allowing the court to be perjured or whatever, and we have to protect the integrity of the court. And the last one is, uh, I think it's... Uh, what? Is it Irnidachas or is it... Yeah... Is it only Dachas? Or, yeah, I think it's like the, 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 or is it a Navi Sheker? It might be a Navi Sheker. It might be a Navi Sheker, which is basically God's authority. Who speaks on behalf of God? 
right? So anyway, so all of those are about protecting those institutions of authority. The one thing that's not in that list, of course, is the one thing that the Torah makes highly subjective about Sota, right? The Kineas Ishta, which all very much about him and his jealousy. So if you ask me, I would have said, like, like by Sota, it should be obvious that it's about Hakpada Dabal, right? By these other two, maybe it is more broadly about the institution. Anyway, such a great question. But they did but, whisper to him that the Baal could be... Yeah, they were okay with the Baal, but they were also okay with the case of Ben Sora Mora. Okay. Why is there another task? Why is no, there, there isn't. Oh, so the Gemara says, oh, Shmami. Shmami no. Baal Shemachal, you, know, you, know, you see, he can't revoke it. So contemporary, right? The whole, really, the whole Supreme Court argument was about the institution of marriage. Exactly. exactly right, about the personal rights exactly. of whatever. Yeah, exactly. Very good point. Um, okay, Shmami no. So good, we've proven it. Okay, now, the Gemara says, but now that we've proven that you can revoke it, even for the laws of Sota, we're no longer talking about Overus Aldas, okay? Plead by Ravach of Ravina, Ravach and Ravina debate. Chadam or Kodam Stira, Machul, Lachasir Ena Machul. That could only be before she goes in private. Because then even the going in private loses its, F, like, its meaning once he's, once he's retracted. But after she's gone in private, and you've got the whole Raglain with Dover, etc., you can't revoke. Then it becomes an objective reality. It gets into the court system, as it were. That makes to me a lot of sense. Um, the Chadam the other says he can even revoke it even after Stira which again goes back like I said to the first question of the first Mishnah how much is this all about the husband's jealousy and schlepping his wife and how much is this about Raglaim Ladavar and a, ca- a case of Bastin so this approach says even after she becomes a Sota he can just stop the whole proceedings and revoke everything okay so the Gemara says um, it makes a sense that after she goes in private he can no longer revoke it Mimai how do you know? Think about the response to Rebiosi. The time we saw the Brisa, we saw this before. Rebiosi Omer. We, we don't need to send, uh, you know, uh, uh, chaperones when they're going to the base bin. We can trust the husband not to have sex with her on the way. When she's a Nida, they're able to sleep together in the same room and we're not afraid of sex and we're afraid, and we assume, we know they'll control, he'll control himself. So does she love, local shame. How much more so will he control herself? He control himself here, you know, which is, uh, um, which is, uh, it's actually, no, it's actually, could opt the opposite. He has, he, you know, he, he'll be less restrained because it's less severe. But how much more will we be prepared to believe him, you know, in, even in, in, in a lesser matter? If we're prepared to believe him in a weighty matter, we're prepared to believe him in a lesser matter. That's okay, and that's what he said. Um, um, Amr they said back to him, Lo, no, imamar to benida shekein yeshleheter. By anida, by when she's anida, he'll restrain himself because they'll be able to sleep together again, um, you know, soon enough. Um, but by Sota he won't restrain himself because she'll never be able to sleep together and Azkman says one minute if he has a way of revoking her whole status by being mochel on it so he'll also be able to restrain himself he'll say I, I don't have to sleep with her now I don't have this urgency if I ever want to sleep with her later I could just choose to revoke her status so he won't feel an urgency okay the <laughs> He could always revoke his kinoi. It seems clear that once he has that status, the husband is out of it. Now it becomes a matter for the court. So it's great. So you see that he can't. So what's great is we actually say, is it about the husband's jealousy or is it a matter of the court? We say, yeah, that transition happens after the stira. He warns her. 
she goes into stira with two, uh, until that point it's all zati, what's going on in his mind, right? But then she goes into private, into seclusion, and there are two witnesses, then we've created an objective reglaim ludover, then we as the court step in and say, it's no longer about you, like, you know, we're going to now take over, and it doesn't matter if you're mochel or not. So that would be, uh, right, so why did it have to be Torah scholars, you mean? Because they could, they could... Uh, no, so, when, so, so now we're not saying that. that they, it's yeah. not that they would advise him how to get around it. They would just stop him from having sex regardless. So this is the right. conclusion. Yeah, this is the conclusion, that he, can, that, that he can revoke before stira, he can't revoke after stira. Okay, so Gemara says like this. Mesu Balein, let's, let's turn the page, because there's so little on the next page. Mesu Balein, actually, so here the question is, the husband died uh, before they had a chance to drink. Who collects the ksufa? The woman, or, or does the woman collect the ksufa? Does it remain the man? Right? Due to, no, due to nobody's fault, it is, uh, she can't go ahead and prove her innocence. Um, and uh, what do you call it? But the, and now it's time for the ksufa to be collected. The husband died. Okay, so who, so who collects it? So the woman says, uh, does she collect it? So Beit Shammai says, she collects it, and Beit Hill says, she doesn't collect it. What's the debate? Since the ksuva is, is, uh, is a document that's you know, standing for collection, she's entitled to collect it, it's like it's already collected, which means if she has an outstanding IOU, which is the ksuva, an outstanding de- you know, debt to her, it's like she's in possession of the property. And if he wants to prove that he doesn't have to pay it, he has the burden of proof. So here it's quite interesting. You might have said, what do you mean? The fact that she's a sota means he's entitled to divorce her without a ksuva. But the answer is no. Because actually, ultimately, it's rooted in the question of did she commit adultery or not? And that was a question that we could have resolved had you lived long enough, you know? You know, that there was a possibility of resolving. So it's interesting. The way to determine, you didn't have to frame it this way, but the way to determine is she entitled to the ksuva is not the question, is she a sota right now and forbidden to her husband? But it's the question of did she commit adultery? And therefore, Bekshamai says, well, she has a presumption of being in possession or like having, you know, uh, of, uh, of, the, of the money that's owed her. And if you want to say she's not entitled to it, you have to prove that she committed adultery. Okay? And Beitil says the other way. No! It's still not, he's still considered to be the muhzak, the one in possession. The burden of proof is on her. So she has to prove that she didn't commit adultery and since she can't do that, then she does not collect her yeah, so these huge tosasim are trying to navigate other sugyot that don't exactly match up with this. I understand. So you can read through these huge tosasim that try to say it's not so simple. The circumstances make a big difference when we would and wouldn't say this. And these tosasim navigate all those different sugyot to say, you know, it's not a simple black and white type of a question. Exactly. Now, See this? We're going to finish the das. Okay, so the final halacha is a, a woman who is pregnant um, and then um, uh, the husband died or she's nursing and the husband died and a man marries her. He's not allowed to marry her within the first two years of the child, uh, you know, until the child is two years old so that he shouldn't, uh, so, she, so he shouldn't be disregarding the welfare of the current child and that she'll get pregnant and won't be able to give the right care to the pre- current child. So that's the, the, uh, the 
restriction of marrying a, ma- a woman that is pregnant or nursing another man's child. Now, and the relevance of the Mishnah was that if they're in that relationship, can he make her, make her drink the soda water or not because they're not supposed to be married, but it's not exactly the same like a, 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 a negative prohibition. So, right, is that enough of a, of a legitimate marriage that he can make her drink the soda water? That was the relevance. But now we're going to look at the issue of Muberet Chavero. So, Amar Av Nachman, Amar Rabbi Barvua, Machlokes Be'akara Vizikena. This debate, because if you might remember, there was the other position in the mission, I think it was Rebbe Lezer, who said that, um, oh, I'm sorry, I jumped to the Muberet case, but the Gemara actually, right now, is focusing on an easier case. On the case about, let's say the woman is not able to have kids. So, according to the Chachamim, well, this isn't a viable marriage. He has to divorce her. Um, and therefore, because of that, he can't make her drink the soda water because they need to get divorced, because he needs to have a mitzvah to have kids. And Rebbe Lezer says, what do you mean? He can always just marry another woman. Yeah. So, why you calling it's not a viable marriage. So that was the debate about is it when she's not able to have kids, is that considered a legitimate viable marriage that he can make her drink the soda water. So the Gemara says, The debate is a woman who is, um, who is like a sterile and fertile or elderly. A woman who is born in, like, in a way that she sort of never, from birth, never had the ability to have children, like the Gemara describes in very male characteristics or whatever. Maybe she's, so she maybe didn't have a uterus or other types of things fundamentally did not was not from the birth was not able to have kids in that case then everybody would agree she doesn't drink and it's not because he, whether he needs to divorce her or doesn't need to divorce her for a different reason she's not in the parsha of Sota because it ends by saying she'll be able to bear seed it only includes women that are in the parsha of having kids so an Akara, when she was younger, she, uh, uh, when she was younger, she could have kids. An Akara is seen as a, like, as some type of, an ex, of, of like, not an intrinsic problem to her very nature. You know, it's a, it's a medical condition. You can always dive it. <laughs> exactly. But an islandist, that's her whole category, is somebody who's, who can't have kids, and therefore she's excluded from the category of drinking of a soda. So it has nothing to do with whether he should be divorcing her or not divorcing her. She's fundamentally excluded. Yatsazo, she ain't Darko Lehazria. Okay, and we will end with that now to continue that on